The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. What is up, Internet? This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest today is Aaron Wolf. Aaron is a martial artist, a teacher, weightlifter, the owner of Atlas Menswear, and of course, a husband and a father. Aaron, thanks for coming on, man. Glad to be here, excited to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, so like I said, uh, before we started recording here, Aaron's got a pretty neat background here. He's very accomplished and more than just one way too. So like I said already, he owns, in addition to being very athletic and having a family, he owns a clothing company, which is pretty cool in itself. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna get into that a bit uh, later as it uh, naturally weaves into Aaron and everything he is and everything he does. But uh, yeah, let's just kind of, before we go into the, the clothing brand and everything, um, let's just kind of dive into it uh, right away here. So. Like I said already, you're pretty accomplished here, and you're a deep believer in athletics and and um, being physically fit, obviously, since you're, hence you're here. Um, but talk about how that kind of how that kind of all forms you as a person here. I guess let's kind of start from the beginning. Like, well, what was your upbringing like? Sure. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'll go a little bit into my um, my professional background and then we'll go into a little bit more of the, the athletics uh and just kind of a nutshell high level um was in the the military it was my first real job uh, worked on uh, some small part-time jobs before that um went in the, the air force when i got out of the air force i had a couple different jobs in finance and then i got a job at a, a pretty large corporation um kind of worked my way up there into uh the management positions but in all those positions, I was never really happy. I, I didn't like working for somebody else. I, I knew I had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I was just kind of um, paying the bills pretty much and, and selling selling chunks of my life at an hour at a time to somebody else. And, and I, I really wasn't happy with that. It really didn't like making somebody else rich. Um, so mm -hmm. in 2014 is, is when I, I just walked out of my, my corporate job. I called my wife and I said, I can't do this another day. It's just, it's just not me. And I, I can't continue to do it. And, and I'm quitting today. And she kind of laughed at could be because she thought I was kidding because we have four daughters too. So uh, that decision wasn't just affecting me. There was a lot of people dependent on me for mm -hmm. um, you know, food and you know a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, but I wasn't kidding. And I, I came home and um, uh, kind of went into the, the first thing I, I knew I had to pay, keep paying the bills. So I went into construction something I, I knew i could i could do right away uh started doing some small constru construction jobs um got in with a, a local rental management company and was doing uh, a lot of maintenance on on their properties that was uh my first jump into having a business of my own but it really still really wasn't what i wanted to do long term it wasn't in my long-term goals um so then i you know i kind of stopped there for now because that then that gets into my clothing company, but I'll, I'll backtrack and go back to the beginning. Beginning yeah. again when I was six years old, uh, more on the, the the athletic side. I started in martial arts when I was six years old. Uh, I started in taekwondo. So at, at a very early age, I, I learned the value of exercise, of taking care of your body, uh, 
became very aware of, of how my body worked and what what my my physical limitations were and what I thought physical limitations were and you know how to how to break through those things. So for most of my life, almost as long as I've been walking, I've been kicking or doing doing some kind of athletics and and pushing myself physically. So it's it's very ingrained in in who I am. Um, when I got a little bit older, I uh, in the, my my middle late teens. I decided I wanted to to compete very heavily in Taekwondo. And at that time, Taekwondo was the the fastest growing martial art in the world is just right before UFC and, and mixed martial arts really started becoming big. Uh they had announced that the uh 2000 Olympics was going to be the first Olympics that Taekwondo was a, an official full medal sport. It was in pre- Olympics before that, but it was uh considered a demo sport. It wasn't a official Olympic sport yet. But 2000 was the, the first uh, Olympics that was going to be a, a, an official sport. So that was my goal. I made, uh, I wanted to be in the in 2000 Olympics. Um, so I, I got really into into competing. I actually got a job at the Taekwondo school that I trained at so I could be there all day. Uh, so I was, throughout the day, I was doing, I was working in the office there. It was a pretty big school. Um, I was helping with just, just office stuff. Didn't get paid much at all. Uh, I, I could have. You'd gone and worked at a grocery store and made more than what I was making at the at the Taekwondo school, but <laughs> I knew I knew that that's what I wanted to do, and and um, my parents were pretty supportive and, and helped me. I was still so not not very old. I was young, uh, so I, I basically did a little bit of work in the office and then just trained all day the rest of the day and um, just completely submer- uh, uh, immersed myself in in Taekwondo and um, didn't quite make it to the Olympics. Uh, but I did. I was in there with all the guys that that did compete in the Olympics, and um, I knew most of them and competed against most of them. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my my you know, uh, abridged uh, Taekwondo story. And and real quick, I, I wrestled in high school too, um, mm-hmm. which is I, I I love wrestling. It's a it's a very tough sport. Um, requires a lot of discipline and, and mental toughness to to wrestle. And not only that, but but making a weight class too, which I also had to do in Taekwondo. So I spent a lot of my younger years cutting weight. Uh, I had to stay. Uh, I'm, I'm six foot tall, and I had to in Taekwondo. I thought my cutoff for my weight class was 154 pounds. So not not definitely skinny, but I was I was pretty thin. I was I was pretty pretty skinny, and and um, uh, so when I got done competing in Taekwondo, I thought. You know, I've I've been trying to cut weight and and stay stay thin all these years. Wonder what it's like to you know to try to gain weight now and try to try to get bigger muscularly. So I, that's what I decided to do. I started going in the weight room and and really hadn't lifted weights ever. And in my it was around my mid twenties, I I just went to the weight room and started lifting weights and started figuring that out. And it turns out, uh, it's it's pretty tough for me to put on weight. <laughs> I'm one of those oh, yeah. guys that if if I if I stop working out, I'll lose 15 pounds in a month. I mean, oh, you're, no, a, you're no problem. You're a hard gainer. Hard gainer. Yep. The uh, yeah. uh, ectomorph, I think, is is what the yeah what the term is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 tough for me to to put on weight. I really need to be disciplined in my in my diet and my my workouts and and really watch that to to try to gain. And you know, it's very very incremental gains are measured in in months and years, not not weeks. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a uh, pretty pretty sh- you know, nutshell version of of my background sure. and and where I come from. 
What was it that you think was about Taekwondo, and particularly combat sports, which wrestling is a combat sport? Right. Something, what is it about Taekwondo and, and combat sports and wrestling that you think just really you took a shine to? Because I know I did martial arts too as a kid. I think just about every, every kid, or at least, you know, when I was a kid, every boy at least a lot were going into something like that, either wrestling or Taekwondo or something like that. It was, it was very much encouraged. Um, particularly when I was very younger, I lived in a very different part of the country. I lived in Baltimore. And, you know, extracurricular activities like that are offered as a way of keeping kids off the street, that kind of thing. So it's, it's very encouraged. But anyway, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a sport where a lot of people kind of it drop out. Actually, I would say probably at some point, most of them drop out. Most of them don't entertain any uh, idea about going to the Olympics at all. Yeah. So there was something about it that really kind of, spoke to your personality yeah uh I, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind when, when you say that what what really drew me to um mm -hmm. combat sports and uh plus the, it's being a mostly individual sport you know you don't compete yeah. with a team um even though you do have a team but but it's just you and the other guy in the mat um i i am kind of a loner a little bit um i'm one of the people that that i feel totally comfortable if i go out to dinner by myself. I, I don't, I don't feel weird at all doing that. Some people can't do that. Some people feel like they're, 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 they're psycho if they're eating by themselves. And I am perfectly fine um, and content going out and doing something like that um, without anybody being with me. Same. You know? Same. So, so I, you know, I, I liked the, the accountability mm -hmm. that I had. Uh, if I go out on, on the mat, it's just, it's just me that I have to blame for, for whatever, goes good or bad and I, I like that um it's not to say that i i don't like being around people you know I, i'm not that extreme I, I i get along with people generally and um but yeah it's, it's the the individual nature of the of the sport that that really uh really drew me to it was that part of uh what your home what your upbringing was like in general did your did your parents like really encourage like um self-sufficiency and self-actualization as a part of like, you know, growing into becoming a functional, you know, productive adult. Is that kind of like what, where their where their parenting kind of came in at? Yeah. Uh, when you say self-sufficiency, uh, my dad really preached a lot about uh, being able to to do things yourself. He said, you know, yeah. if you can do it yourself, why pay someone else to do it? And so mm -hmm. uh, um, I I learned how to do it a lot of things i'd learned not just how to do things but how to figure out how to do things that that was the right. the main skill that you know you can you can figure out how to do how to build a deck you know but that's that's one thing but if you can figure out how to figure out how to build a deck then that's something that can apply to, to many many different things not just that one particular discipline so okay so you went you uh you got you got really into martial arts all right you went to the or you got to the point where you didn't quite make it to the Olympics, but you got pretty close to it. Right. But you also, in, you know, in college, you know, you were very accomplished. Like uh, in your bio, you said that you were multi-year a champion it was in college, right? Yeah. Well, um, not, not really in college. It's just, um, you know, it, it's not a collegiate sport. Well, they do have okay. collegiate uh, Taekwondo, but I didn't compete in, in any college or anything. Just, 
college age is, is you know, when I was competing. But um, yeah, that's part of my story, too. I, I did go to some college, but um, I, I didn't I didn't get a degree. I, I'm I'm not good for a, a classroom setting either. I'm uh, maybe what you would call a little bit ADHD. And yeah. uh, if 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 I don't if it's uh, monotonous at all, I just I just it's really difficult for me to for me to do so. Um, yeah, that's my that's my I, college story. <laughs> I, I I understand that completely because my son is like that too. When he's into something, he is one hundred percent. Like you can't yeah. prime away, you know, for the end of the world. Um, but if he don't care, he don't care. He is like, oh, I dropping out. Exactly. So I yeah, get yeah. The, the classes that I enjoyed, I I I wanted to go into the medical field. So any of the mm -hmm. sciences or anatomy and physiology, chemistry, organic chemistry, I got an A in college organic chemistry because I loved it. But if you, uh, English or anything that, that's not interesting to me, I just, I, I just can't focus on it. It's, it's, I have no patience for it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, a long career in martial arts. And after that, after you were, you stopped being competitive, you went into teaching it. You went into instructing. Yeah. Um, are, do you still instruct martial arts? Um, no, I had a, a guy, a friend that I used to train with that had a school and um, I would go there and, and help him, you know, uh, recently help him uh, teach. And my daughter was in it for a while, but uh, he ended up having to close that school for, for a couple of different reasons. So right now I, I, I'm not really teaching anybody. Um, always kind of thought about opening up my own school, but um, just never was never really in the cards, but I, I do enjoy, enjoy teaching. And that's something that when, when you dedicate your life to something like that and, and you're, you're a student for so many years and then you start getting, you know, get into your black belt and then, uh, uh, advancing beyond your black belt and, and have the, mm -hmm. the experience of competing. It's something that just naturally you start doing. If you're in something like that, you just, you just start teaching because you have the knowledge that you've gained and all, with all that experience and you see these, young kids and even adults that are, that are starting out and you just you naturally start passing that information that you've learned onto those people, which uh, helps them obviously. But it, it also, what I learned is when you start teaching somebody something, you really start to learn intimately what you're doing because a lot of the things that, that you were taught were explained to you. And then you just kind of, if you've been doing so something for that long, you just kind of start to intuitively know how to do it and you don't really think about it anymore you know how to throw a certain kick or even uh, right. how to counter uh, certain things um it's just it's just ingrained in you and you don't have to articulate it but when you're explaining it to someone else and you do have to bring those words out and the explanation then different things start clicking in your head and like you know oh that's why i do that or if you do have bad habits that you didn't realize when you're teaching somebody you know those things come out too and and so teaching somebody really helps both the teacher and the student. Right. Yeah. I've heard that before and I've definitely experienced that before as a coach. It's called, it's like the difference between unconsciously competent and consciously competent. Exactly. You know, I, I love that. You know, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, you know, you do things like you've been doing it for so long. Now it's intuitive to you. It's in, it's just in, enmeshed into your DNA and you just do it. And then, you know, now you're teaching to somebody. Now you have to break it down into words. You're going from like a languageless part of your brain to a part of the brain that has to have a language in order to teach it. So yeah, you're right. It's a very different. Uh, it's a very different um, psychological state to inhabit. You know. Yeah. And you do end up learning more 
uh, about yourself and about what yours, what it is you're teaching. Yeah, and I but, also learned too that just because you know how to do something doesn't know you don't know how to teach that that thing. No, so you can yeah, be good at right. something and, and not be a good teacher or instructor. That right. teaching is is a separate discipline from knowing how to do it, and it's it, it takes a lot of Again, you, you, when you start out teaching, you're you're learning how to teach then. And, and that's, you know, that, that's something else that you're learning and, and trying to perfect. Yeah, you also learn that um, you, you'll learn just how much patience you have for in teaching somebody too. you have to learn to if you want to continue teaching, you gotta learn you got to slow things down. You got to be patient with the person you're working with. Yeah. And uh, I find a lot of times that is the hardest thing that people especially very competent people, they just kind of assume that everyone is on their level. And when they realize they're not, they get pretty frustrated. And that's just kind of where, where things start to go wrong. Yeah. They don't learn, they don't learn how to rein in their frustration. <laughs> I think that I, I learned that, that frustrates me the most is, is not that someone's not on the same skill level as me is it's that they're right. not, uh, the same, what's the word I want? Um, same level of, of passion towards it. Uh, you know, somebody, especially in Taekwondo, I dedicated my entire life to Taekwondo and someone that just comes to a couple classes a week and doesn't really care about getting good or, or even becoming competent. That, that's the thing that, that frustrates me the most. You know, I, I, I feel like, um, not necessarily people have to dedicate their entire life to it, but if you're going to do something, do it well, you do put put some effort into right. it and, and be dedicated to it. And if, and if you're not dedicated to it, it's just not the right thing for you. Find something that, that you can be passionate about. Exactly. Right. Okay, so we have that. We had the martial arts uh, career you, know, you transitioned into a teacher, but then you kind of, you went a different direction. Okay. You got, you said you got into weightlifting as a, when you were in your twenties. Um, and so you became very advanced in that. You already showed a predilection for science, which bodes well for learning how to build muscle, because that is a science as well as an art form. And so what was talk about the transition from going in from like combat sports into weightlifting, because that's kind of two different worlds you're going into combat sports. I mean, especially Taekwondo, they don't really put a huge emphasis on building muscle. No, um, it's I mean, if you do it long enough. Especially if you get good enough, to the, you will build a decent physique. It's it's unavoidable, you know. Especially if you show that level of dedication, you will get a decent physique. But that won't translate into becoming like a physique competitor or anything like that. So that's kind of like two. That's something very different like that. So you really kind of did an about face by going into weightlifting. So let's let's talk about that. What what got you going in that direction? Sure. Yeah. And when you say uh, if you're doing a sport like Taekwondo, you're going to build a, a decent physique. Um, you're right, but it also depends on what your definition of a decent physique is. You know, uh, right. the, the way I competed, you know, like I said, I had to stay in a in a weight class, so I couldn't gain weight. So I was very thin. Uh, a lot of people, that's their goal is to be thin. Um, mm -hmm. I never really liked myself thin like that. You know, just aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetically speaking. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I was thin and, and, you know, I was, I was in good shape, but I, I just didn't, um, I wasn't happy just visually with the way I looked. So I knew when I was done competing that I wanted to kind of change that and, and put on some muscle. Um, and of course, as you know, if you're competing in Taekwondo, doing those type of workouts, you're not going to get bulky. That, that's not the type mm -hmm. of 
of workout that you're doing. So it's, it's a completely different mindset change to, to ch go from that to working out to, to try to build muscle and, and put on weight. Um, because when you build muscle, you're not going to be as quick. You know, even if you have a, a good amount of genetically fast switched muscle, if you put on more mass, it's just physics. You know, if you're moving more weight around, you're just not going to be able to do it quite as quickly as, as you do if you're, if you're smaller and nimble. Right. So yeah, when I, you know, I was, I was, uh, very advanced and very knowledgeable in Taekwondo. And when I, uh, transitioned from Taekwondo to the weight room, I went down back to square one. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just kind of, I didn't, I didn't have a coach or anything. I, I just, I just started lifting weights and I started on the machines usually. And, uh, I learned a little bit from that because the machines kind of lock you into, to a certain form. Um, you know, like a, a bench press machine, it's going to get a more or less mm -hmm. put you where you want to be when you start doing free weights. So you kind of learn, uh, the different movements that way. Um, and then I just, uh, started figuring out what was, what worked for me, what didn't work for me. I, I would read some things and, you know, watch some YouTube videos and, and just gain knowledge from there and realized what, what my goals were and, and what I needed to do to accomplish those goals. So it was, it was, yeah, starting from square one again and, and learning and, and figuring out what works. Once you start seeing some success in that, you know, well, you, you get the, the noob gains, uh, right. for the first month, one, two, three months, you, uh, even if you're not lifting right, um, you get those first five to eight pounds of, of muscle gain. And, and you're like, wow, this, this is great. You know, if mm -hmm. I can continue this, I'm going to be, you know, uh, Mr. Olympia and, and a couple of years. And, uh, then you realize that, that once you get that, that then it's very, very slow and, and incremental. And, um, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to put on weight. So, um, I, I really had to learn the, the nutrition part of it. And that, that, that's probably what took the longest for me to learn. Um, that, that I just have to, if I, if I want to gain weight, I just have to pile in the food and, and it's, it's gotta be the right food too, you know, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, and, and a lot of it, <laughs> uh, some red meat, um, some pork, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of carbs and a lot of clean proteins is, is what I really have to, have to do to, to put on weight. So, um, yeah, just a, a lot of, a lot of trial and error and learning. Uh, was that, your your learning curve about what you need to actually gain what actually gain weight gain the muscle here was that um when you learned what type of you know we talked a little bit it's been mentioned a little bit about what type of body type you are like you're somebody who you know like you said if you stop working out you're gonna slim down yeah um and most of us are kind of the opposite you stop working out the the uh, the 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 weight starts to pile on and we get bigger um. <laughs> You know, when I wasn't very physically rigorous, I mean, I was more or less athletic off and on my entire life, but um, not, not anything like I'm, I am right now. You know, I never got huge, but I did get heavier. So I don't know where exactly that really puts me between, you know, an ectomorph and an endomorph. Um, I didn't balloon, but I didn't trim either. Uh Maybe but, it was uh, the, in between the mesomorph. Is yeah, that, that's the, me the mesomorph. Yeah, the, the mesomorph, which is like the ideal, <laughs> at least for guys, at least it's like the ideal. It's like <laughs> you got the uh, you got the, the athletic build. I guess is what it's called. I don't know if I'm a, officially that or not, but 
did you have to, did, was it, I guess the question that is, I, I'm asking here is like, did you have to find out, oh yeah, I'm actually this, and this actually, this food and nutrition makes sense for that because I'm in more of an ectomorph as opposed to a mesomorph or an endomorph. Yeah. When I first started working out, I, I thought I was going to just start putting on weight. And, you know, if I started eating more and, and lifting weights, mm -hmm. I just thought the muscle was just going to start piling on. And um, that's how naive I was when I, when I first started. So, yeah. And it, it took, it took, you know, it, over a, a few years of me, you're trying different things and learning to, to figure out what body type I was and what I needed to do to work with that, that body type that I have. Um, yeah. And it was just, and I, you know, honestly, I'm still learning, you know, there's, there's still things that I can, I can tweak and, and do differently and that I learned from somebody else that, that, um, that helps me. So it's, it's, a, it's a continuing thing. When do you feel like you, if you, if you ever got to this point, when do you feel like you actually, all right, I, I got it figured out here. I've, you know, I've got, I've got the formula to figure out here. And now I'm seeing like gains consistently, not just like the initial, you know, the newbie gains that you're going to get from going, starting something, you know, from doing nothing, you know, uh, when do you feel, when do you feel like you actually got there? You actually had this thing figured out. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'll ever have it be able to sit back and say, I, I got it all figured out. Um, but I, when I when I really hit a, a good stride uh, and really things started clicking, I was probably uh, I'd say about maybe like ten years ago now is when I really started clicking because uh, I'm I'll be forty seven in, in uh, about two weeks. So um, you know this is I, I started working out in my twenties. So it's been 20 years since I started really lifting weights and, right. and uh, becoming dedicated at it. And I've, there's been, you know, fluctuations here and there where I've, I've really pounded the, the, the weights for a uh, extended period of time. Then I'll, I'll kind of go do something else where I'll do maybe some more cardio and, and some things like that and go back and forth. But yeah, I'd say about 10 years ago is when I really started, when it really started clicking and, and, me figuring things out and um that I, I really figured out how i need to work out and eat to really make my body do what i want it to do and you know that there's varying degrees of that too if i if i could if i really had 100 percent control over what i wanted my body to do i'd be 50 pounds heavier that is that's just not the the body type that i have mm-hmm so I just I just want to kind of dial in the uh, I want to dial in the timeline here. So you say you're just about forty seven years old. You started this in your twenties, right? You started to hit a stride ten years ago. So when you're in your late thirties, that shows that is that is a huge amount of commitment right there. So well, I what I'm trying to like put in the focus here is like none of this came overnight. Oh no! It's like you you know you started in your twenties. It was in your late thirties. You start to actually feel like you actually got this dialed in at least a little bit, enough that you can actually see consistent progress. You know, because a lot of times when people go into a new fitness routine, whether or not they come from a fitness background or not, athletic background or not, like they did, they went from one thing to something completely different. They uh, a lot of times expect to see, well, you know, the the results 
happen very quickly, like within a month or even. And if they don't see it even within a year, they, or, you know, if it's not good, right, let me stop for a second. <laughs> they, they expect to see overnight results, you know, and this is a lot what people out there promise too. So it's partly not their fault, you know, with the social, with social media and everything, you know, you have people out there promising great results within three months. And, you know, those of us who know better, know better. That's really just a charlatan offer. And whatever results you do get in three months ain't going to stick around for three months because the time that you have spent putting into this is going to uh, greatly influence how permanent it really is or how much it's really going to stick around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and a lot of those uh, you'll see results in three months are probably relying on what we referred to earlier as the the newbie gains, which is, Mm -hmm. is a phenomenon that if somebody... I don't know if we really explained that if, if you know somebody that, that doesn't know what that is. When you first start working out, uh, you're going to you're going to see a jump within the first couple months of um, your 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 body composition and, and your, your muscle mass. You'll 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 gain some weight and you'll see some progress right away. And and it is it's, it's encouraging. It's, it's very it's very cool to see that. But it's not it's not something that's going to continue on like that. It, it's they call it newbie gains for a reason because it's it's a just a quick mm-hmm. job anytime you change something in your life you're gonna you're gonna see a difference right away because your body adapts but then right. it takes it takes a lot more to to uh to continue that ad- adaptation and, and your body is going to level off and it's going to it's going to be very slow and like i always say in, in the weight room gains are measured in years not months or or weeks so uh, you have to you have to know that up front and understand that otherwise you're gonna six months in you're gonna get discouraged and say oh you know i thought it was going to be way beyond what i am now uh so yeah you you really have to be in it for the long game and there's probably some things that i personally could have done to shorten some of that uh the learning curve that i had if i'd have hired a coach a personal trainer or something like that that's that is a uh what you could call a shortcut because I didn't know anything. And if I would have hired somebody that would have been able to teach me and, and show me what to do, just like a Taekwondo instructor, uh, that, that probably would have shortened that, that learning curve quite a bit. But, um, you know, I didn't do that. You know, I was, I was, uh, tail end of my military time and then, um, moved back home and, and some things like that. So I was just you know, figuring it out on my own. All right. So you, so we have the, uh, the weightlifting, you got pretty advanced in that. And so let's go into now the more of the professional side of your story here. So Atlas Menswear, which is part and parcel with you and everything that you're about. Um, I did go over the website. I looked over the biography. I looked over the backstory. I looked over, of course, the products. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just Just by the description of the products here, I don't know if it's really for me. I'm probably just flattering myself. I think, ooh, these are good for me. Probably not. Because <laughs> uh, I'm really just not that muscular. Um, but, but you don't, you don't have f- to be, you don't have to be muscular, you, but you do have to be fit. So it, it's right. made for, um, well, let me just kind of give you, you know, high sure. level what, what it's about. It's um, the, you know, I, I've never, I'm never the biggest guy in the gym. You know, I, I think sure. we've, we've kind of gone over that. Uh, but I do have, your broader shoulders and my waist is narrow. So I have that V shaped torso. So I was always 
shirts. Uh, whenever I would go to the to, to the mall or any store to get a, a button up shirt, a dress shirt, I was always really disappointed in how they fit because the big clothing companies want to sell to the biggest possible market that they can. Right. Which is a either a straight down body type or even the dad bod or and beyond. You know, there's there's the the number of guys in the the general U.S. population that have that athletic V-shaped taper is it's a small it's a small number when you're when you're looking at at the overall state of the you know the American male, which is kind of a sad thing, but that's just the way it is. So those companies don't make shirts to fit the V-shaped torso. So when you go to the store and get a shirt, you have to buy it big enough for your shoulders, and then I would just see that shirt just hang straight off the shoulders and come down and just be really sloppy around the waist. So, uh, and that just, that defeats the purpose of, uh, working out and, and spending all that time getting the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, that athletics physique or that, that silhouette. So I just started kind of asking around at the gym and asking guys, Hey, do you wear dress shirts and where do you get them? And most of the guys would say, um, either they don't wear them because they don't, they don't fit. Or if they do wear them, uh, they would have to get it either altered or get a, a custom shirt, which is just, it's, it's a pain and, um, you know, it takes time and, and extra money. So I thought, hey, there, there might be a opportunity here. So, um, yeah, there's more to the story, but yeah, we can, we can kind of yeah. uh, chip away at it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a cool backstory and actually I, you know, truthfully and, I actually, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I didn't ever think about that because you, you know, you've heard this kind of thing, particularly about women's clothing. It's like, well, they don't make clothes that actually fit the actual, you know, female body, you know, they, or you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, I never really thought about this as as applied to actually very fit men, and and in my own case, actually, yeah, I've noticed that with some dress shirts, I mean, that I put on where. You know, you're right, the waist part, and I'm not, like, hugely V-shaped at all. My shoulders are broader than my waist. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that, yeah, it kind of billows down at the bottom by the <laughs> waist, you know. And I'm, like, constantly adjusting it, like, stuffing it down into my pants, trying to tighten it up. And it just kind of keeps yeah, coming kind of, undone. Kind of bunch it up and, and you tuck right, it around right. the back to, so where it's not... Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. And I even to the point where I was look, I was even considering, you know, they they were making these things where you could put straps on or something underneath your pants, and they would hold the shirt down for you or something like that. I was looking, I was kind of looking into something like that because I just hated constantly adjusting this shirt. Yeah, I didn't want it kind of, you know, constantly pulling out and puffing at the bottom here. But yeah, I never made the connection that. Because the uh, the greater retail market does not really cater to guys who are you know fit and muscular at all, but you make but you did make that connection here. I mean, when you started asking around, were you just asking around for your own for your own reasons here, and it just kind of you had a light bulb light bulb moment? Yeah, yeah. And part of the story is I, I started my company so I could have a shirt to fit me. You know that that's. That was mm-hmm. my 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 first goal. Is as I was just trying to figure out how to get a, a decent looking dress shirt, and um, you know, I I, I, I kind of started my business plan you know, inadvertently. I, I didn't set out to start a business plan. I was just going through just googling um, dress shirts for athletic men and 
and you know i'd come up uh, if your company would would claim that they did this so i just write it down write the name of the company down and, and i'd look at their website and ordered some stuff and was never really happy with anything but as i was searching for a company that would make a shirt i had this I compiled this list of of these websites and turns out that i was i was coming up with a, a competitor analysis and a part of my business plan and i wasn't even setting out to do that and but that's you know as i started getting into it i i uh, did get some um went to the small business development center here locally and and that's that's part of what they help you do is write a business plan and i showed them what i had and they said yeah you're that, that's that's the first step in, in writing a business plan you're just coming up with all your competitors so yeah i was just i was just trying to find a shirt that's, that's all i was doing <laughs> <laughs> so how, how about that for a story it's like i was just looking for a shirt that would fit me and yeah. then i ended up just stumbling into a <laughs> a business plan <laughs> whereas yeah. most of us have to do the the very opposite here we have to intentionally look up how to do a business plan but you kind of just did it intuitively or you know unconsciously <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so all right so let's kind of let's take it back a little bit you know because at the start of the show you were talking about how you actually got into your your your, your clothing company here um you worked a day job in finance and then it was killing you spiritually. Yeah. And you called your wife and said, I can't do this anymore. This is just killing me. And she thought you were just joking around, blowing off steam or whatever, but no, you were dead serious. You wanted to quit. And um, now you kind of hinted at it a little bit, you know, that it's not a small deal to quit your job like that when you have so many mouths on the lines. You got to, you got a wife and you got four daughters. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Four daughters. A lot of people depending on. So you really kind of go out on a limb here when you really just sacrifice that that income like that. Yeah. Because you just can't you can't deal with it anymore. And a lot of times people would say, "Man, are you are you crazy? All these people, all this stuff on the line here, and you just gonna walk out like that?" <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, but honestly, that is like, that is a lot of what all of us out there who run businesses, businesses deal with here, or that is a lot of what we um, grapple with. It's like, you know, this job, I hate it, it sucks. And I know I could do, I'm worth more than this, but yeah. this is, this is, this is risky, you know? Yeah. How, how, that's one of the things that um you with the the background and and taekwondo is you learn to be able to do to accept that you have to take risks and uh, have the courage to move forward in the in the face of whatever could happen you know you you don't you don't take a risk just for just the bad things to happen there's there's a, a goal at the end that, that you're you're willing to take that risk to get through that risk uh and approach that goal uh, so, um, I've always, I've always had that sort of mindset. And when I, when I knew that I couldn't work for someone else anymore, um, and I knew that there was bigger things that I wanted to do that risk of walking out of my job, I accepted it. I knew, I knew what I was getting myself into, but I also knew what the upside could be. And that mm -hmm. I, you know, my mindset then too, I, I, I just had to do it. You know, I was, I was done just uh going through motions going through life without without having any sort of ownership in what i was doing it was just 
pointless really. So I, I knew I had to take that risk and um, yeah, I knew I was, I was, other people were taking that risk with me and, and I, I dared everything I had to do to minimize the, the impact on them. Um, there were, you know, some scary moments here and there, which, you know, that that's going to happen. But uh, for the most part, it, uh, you know, worked out fairly well for, for what could have happened. Uh, but yeah, just that, that risk, um, not, not being risk avoidant uh, right. that I learned in, in Taekwondo has really helped me to make that decision. How did your, I'm curious, how did your wife respond uh, respond to this when she found out that you were actually serious about this? Because I do know, from my own experience, I do know this kind of thing can put tremendous strain and yeah. stress on a, on a family, you know, because, you know, it's, it's only natural. You can't blame them. It's like, well, wait a minute. We got mortgage. We got bills. We got kids. We got to put through school. Kids, we got to feed. You got to keep them clothed. Now, you did say that you didn't just go from one extreme to another. You can go from having a job to having no job and now just kind of staying at home, bumming around, figuring out your master plan going forward. You did continue on and bringing in money. Right. You know, just, you know, so it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like you just were blowing up your whole life here and weren't conscious of the fact that you were just putting everyone's uh, butt on the line. Right. You, right. Yeah. You were cognizant of that. I, I, I had, uh, you know, I, I had, skills of working with my hands and I had some experience right. uh, just from, you know, helping other people and, and, uh, uh, home repairs and, and light construction stuff. So I knew, I knew I could pretty much do that right away. And I, and I knew some people that, that I could, uh, work with and, and, you know, kind of start a, a, a little gig on the side. Um, but yeah, my, my wife, when I, when I called her and, and told her on the phone went that I was quitting my job, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth. She was like, you can't do that. And I said, well, I have to. So uh, uh, on the drive home, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I expected her to be upset and and um, expected it to be not, not a very fun conversation when I got home. But, but to her credit, she, uh, you know, as, as scared as she was, she had our daughters write, each write a, a note to me saying, Basically, we believe in you and and stuff like that. And I still have them in my uh, office here. Um, awesome. Yeah, and so I, I was I was really proud of her for um, not completely freaking out and and uh, you know doing doing something drastic. So um, yeah, it, it's I, I was I was really happy with the way way she uh, reacted to that. That's really awesome to hear too, because we we know that family support is big. When you take a step like that and people who don't have it, it really makes it nearly impossible. Yeah. I, I would say not just nearly, I, I would say impossible. If, if, if the family doesn't support you or at least doesn't um, work against you, I, I guess yeah. it would be a way to, to put it. You know, if, if my wife was, was dead set against what I did and, um, you know, started putting up roadblocks and everything I tried to do it, there's no way it would have worked. Absolutely not. Uh, so, um, even though I called her and, and told her what I was going to do and it wasn't really her decision on that part, uh, she was still supportive and, um, yeah, we, we, we definitely made it work together. It's not something I could have done on my own with, with the, the way my life was. So, um, when men's at, when uh, Atlas menswear was officially launched, it got off the ground, you know, you did, 
you had this business plan, you you took a toll of all your competitors, you had a firm idea about what you were going to do, where you were going to go with it. Um, when did things when did things actually start? To, it can be actually start to kind of come around, you know, because you know you got to get the when you got to get a product. Number one, that's probably the hardest thing. You got to get the product in, and then you got to get it out there. You got to make sure people know about you. And then, because, you know, even if you do great work, if no one knows who you are, it don't matter. Right. Um, so when do things start, actually start to take off? Yeah. So um, this uh, kind of goes into um, one of the things that I have been talking a lot about is some of the lessons that I learned in Taekwondo and mm -hmm. how I've been able to apply those to the other areas of my life and, and mostly in, in business. Uh, so one of, the, one of the things I learned in Taekwondo is how to work through adversity. Um, the, the obvious way adversity presents itself in Taekwondo is if you're in a match and you get kicked in the face, that's, that's immediate adversity. You know, you, your, your eyes start watering, you could be, you're dizzy and, and disoriented a little bit and, and, um, you know, you're not, you're not thinking straight, you have to clear your head, but you're, you're still there to win. You know, you can't just walk off and, and take a break until you, until you get your, uh, bearings again, you, you still have to keep moving forward. So that, that's kind of the the lesson that I, that I needed to apply to how I launched my company and what happened when I launched my company. So, um, I, I worked with a fashion designer and, and we got the, the design of the shirts and, uh, I decided I wanted to launch my company at the Arnold sports and fitness expo. I don't know if you're familiar with that being in, um, uh, weightlifting, uh, but the, the Arnold is a, it's a huge event in Columbus, Ohio, which is about two hours from my house. Uh, it's, a, it's a bodybuilding competition, but it's so much more. They have everything from strongman competition to they have martial arts, they have uh, gymnastics and fencing. It's a it's a huge sporting event, and they also have a, a huge vendor expo too. And I wanted to uh, launch my company at the vendor expo at the at the the Arnold. So I worked with my fashion designer. We got the design finalized, but. Uh, had had uh, manufacturing run, uh, bought inventory for my business. I, I bought the booth space, which is not cheap at the Arnold. I bought, uh, I got hotel rooms and all the all the decorations for my for my booth. So I spent a lot of time and a lot of money to get ready for this launch. Um, now this this Arnold was March of 2020. Now, if you remember March of 2020, what the things that were going mm -hmm. on, it was the first weekend in March yeah. of 2020. Yep. And uh, so I I had. <laughs> gone to Columbus. Um, I'd rented a, a, a vehicle to take all my boxes and everything. And it was actually two trips. So two hours each way. Uh, and I did that on, on Thursday before and Friday was when the, the event kicked off. And I had a, a little pre-sale set up in the, the gym in Columbus, right close to the convention center. And the, the Thursday night before the expo kicks off, it's a huge event at that gym. The, all the famous bodybuilders are there. There's some, you know, movie stars and it's just a, it's just a big event. So I was able to get in with the gym and have a little pre-sale set up before the, the main expo took off or before the main expo started. So the energy was real high in that gym and, uh, about, I think it was about eight o'clock in the evening, they announced that the, the whole expo had been canceled. And if there's any more direct correlation to getting kicked in the face or kicked in the stomach, <laughs> 
<laughs> that that is a feeling that that mimics yeah. that uh, getting hit so closely and yeah it, it took the wind out of me and I, I i felt kind of that feeling of you know i just got kicked in the face that i'm disoriented you know what do i do now because it yeah. you know, i was running on adrenaline i was you know everything was so exciting and i was so pumped to to launch my company at this at this event and you know, present my company to, to all the people that were there so then I, I I remembered, you know, when you get kicked in the face, you got to keep moving forward. You got to figure out a way to win. And so I kind of gathered my thoughts. I sat down on a bench and in that gym and tried to figure out what I could do now. So I knew everybody was still in Columbus. Uh, you know, it was only a day before. So everybody, you know, people travel from other countries to, to go to this mm -hmm. event. So there was so many people in Columbus. Uh, and so I just decided, hey, I'm not going to have a, a booth there. but I can I can walk around the convention center area. I can walk around in the convention center because people were still congregated in that area and just start talking to people. You're just walking up, complete strangers, and just start talking to people and telling them what I do and showing them some pictures. And I, of course, I had one of my shirts on and, and um, just the, the conversation just started flowing naturally because I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a natural salesman. I'm a little bit of, of a, on the introvert side when I, when I'm talking to strangers, but I believe in what I do so much that it, I it, I didn't feel for a second like I was selling. I was I was presenting my solution to this problem to all these people that had the, the same problem that I do, and and that's that's how it felt. So um, yeah, I, I I ended up meeting some some professional bodybuilders. I uh, got uh, the IFBB Pro physique competitors that that are wearing my stuff now, and and they post stuff on their Instagram and. So I turned, I was able to turn a really negative situation into actually another positive by, by just, you know, grassroots going around and, and talking to people and, and making those connections. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay. To kind of like piece things, everything together here. So you got, you know, a very accomplished background in martial arts, nearly an Olympian. You got um, tremendous games. At gains as a weightlifter and as a now as a businessman selling a line of clothing here. So one of the things that started going through my head now as we were having this conversation here is like, and I think this ties in back to your um, your martial arts background here. You know, you hear, I hear this a lot about the uh, the white belt mentality. It's like going from one thing to another, or you know, learning always being in a learning state yeah. where nothing is nothing is so uh so complex that you can't figure it out if you just apply yourself to it enough so there that that's a real continuity that i'm noticing in your story here as you've gone through different phases of your life military martial arts weightlifting business is that is always like being being willing to adapt and be ready to face adversity would you would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah, and that's another um, lesson that I I refer back to from uh, martial arts and even mm -hmm. you know, weightlifting too. Is it, it's perfect that you said the white belt mentality. And when I was a white belt, I was six years old. I it, it's hard for me to remember what exactly right. I was feeling, but just from teaching and and being in taekwondo, when you're a white belt, everything is new. Everything is is, is awkward. You don't you know when you when you first go into the to a martial arts school. You don't know the customs. You don't know the the routine. You don't know how to tie your belt. You don't know you don't know anything. So 
it, it can be awkward and, and scary and, and um, which is anytime you start something new, that that's the way it's going to be. But there's, there's that, that progression that you, you go through, you know, the, the second or third time you're there, you, you, you learn to tie your belt and you, you get your uniform on right. And, um, you know, progress a little bit more you start learning to kick and and you're able to to get into the routines and the customs of the class and you don't you're not quite as awkward anymore you're still got a lot to learn but you're you're starting to get the feel of it and that's you know whenever i start something new that's i i, I refer back to that that lesson in taekwondo when i started my company you know i i don't i don't know i, I can't even use a sewing machine i don't know how to use a sewing machine but I was able to figure out how to start a, a, a clothing company by, you know, bringing some people in to, to help. I, I mentioned I work with a fashion designer, uh, but everything was new to me. You know, I, I, I didn't know how to how to design a shirt. I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know really much about online marketing, but I, I had that that mentality and, and, and the knowledge that, that, you know, because I don't know anything now and everything's awkward, that's not how it's going to be weeks and months down the road i'm gonna get into this and i'm gonna learn go. and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out and uh, not being afraid to to be uncomfortable and and um you get in there and just start start learning it right exactly exactly right um you, you know it's always always a learning curve you know you can you start something but you gotta start and you won't you won't adapt anything and more to it like a lot of what we're talking about are are um are voluntary changes in your life that you have made you also have to account for the things that are not so voluntary because life is going to happen to you one way or another and you're going to have to kind of learn your way around it like you said with the uh the expo the arnold expo you know we i, I remember that time it was around March of that time where things were starting to get really bad with the COVID virus. Yeah, actually, and... the Arnold was one of the first things that was canceled because up until that point, I thought it was inconscionable to, for that event to be canceled because nothing had been canceled yet. That was that was really right. the first weekend that things started shut down, and and then you know it was a yeah. mindset change for everybody. Yeah, I, I do. I do remember that because it, that was around time the lockdown really started to happen. We had heard about COVID, you know few months prior i think starting around late 2019 when you know this stuff was starting to hit the news and then it just kind of snowballed from there and yeah you're right around march of 2020 is when things started to get real it's when gyms started shutting down yeah. the lockdown started happening the mass mandates started kicking in and yeah that that was a pretty dark and weird time here and and so like the arnold expo shuts down and you got kicked in the teeth here pretty bad it's something you did not expect. And, you know, you, you probably, you did lick your wounds for a little bit, but then you got back up and you say, okay, what can I do now? And I, you know, I, it sounds like in terms of personality, we're somewhat similar here. I'm kind of an introverted person myself here. I don't, <laughs> I don't mingle with strangers very easily. Um, so just doing this podcast now is a big step for me. It's kind of really taking me out of my comfort zone, but it's worth it. Yeah, and I've been doing it for a while now. It's, 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 it's fun. I do like it. I do get kind of jittery every time I'm about to get on with someone because you don't really know who you're really getting on to getting on with. But anyways, I do know what that's like to actually say, you know what, do it, get up there and do it. And you know, you're kind of, you kind of quake a little bit, but you did do it. You responded to an adverse situation here with a uh, a novel approach whereas uh, probably most of the people who were there who got shut down on they probably like 
all right, pack it up. Let's get out of here. You know? Yeah. Would you agree? I, I, yeah. I, 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 and I did see people actually physically packing it up and, and leaving. Um, you know, they were, most of the people were unloaded and, and had their stuff in the convention center. And, and um, yeah, that, that night I was around there and, and they were loading everything back up and yeah, they were taking off and heading back to wherever they came from. And, um, you know, who knows whether you, some of those companies ended up folding or if they, if they worked through it, but that's not something I was willing to do. I, I was already there. I'd already committed, you know, the, my time and, and a lot of my money too, to, to launching that. And I, I was, I was going to do something. There was no way I was going to come home empty handed and, and without, without at least putting myself out there and, and making an effort and, and uh, just doing whatever I had to do. And again, my, my family was really supportive of me too. Uh, you know, my, one of the days, uh, probably Saturday or something like that, one of my daughters was down there walking around with me and she was wearing a, a, a t-shirt with my, my company logo on it and just, uh, you know, help with the brand awareness. So it was, nice. it was, I, I had the support there too. And, and that was really, really helpful. And, um, it, it's funny that I, I like to tell a, a quick little story of, you know, when, when you're uh, young, I think she was, uh, was a couple years. She was probably 13 at the time, and um, your know, dad's always kind of embarrassing when when you're 13 years old. And so, I, anytime I would you know go up to to start talking to somebody about my company, she would just kind of keep walking and and go off the other way and <laughs> kind of look and just roll her eyes like, "Oh, dad's doing it again. It's so embarrassing." Uh, but you know, it, it, we would kind of joke around about that, and but she was still she was still there to, to help and she was as excited about it as I was. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I have a 13 year old daughter myself, so I do kind of identify with that. Um, you know, and she's pretty cool for the most part. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to embarrass your kids. You just yeah. gotta be yourself. Yep. Really. It doesn't take any, really any effort. <laughs> it's but... a job as a dad. You have to embarrass your kids sometimes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I tell them. So, all right. So, Talking about the the uh, the greater the greater picture here. So, how do you? Uh, let me see. How can I phrase this? Obviously, all of this impacts your family so much. We've already touched on that. And you want to talk about like things like how adversity, how taking on challenges, and being being nimble and adaptive to life really kind of translates well into how you how you function as a father or as a as a husband or anything like that and how you know it really kids really learn more of what they see rather than what you preach to them yeah you know they weren't they weren't there obviously for a lot of your taekwondo career and your weightlifting beginnings and that kind of thing but they do see you know the, they have been there since the beginning of the uh, the business career Yep. Which you know you can argue is probably five times harder than any of that other stuff you've done because you yeah know, you know, weightlifting like you said weightlifting and taekwondo it's very individualized you are part of a team and you're a part of a team as well if you run a business and you've got cohorts with you um but it's it's all very well let me let me go back a little bit. That's very weightlifting and taekwondo is very individualized. Being a part of a business and starting a business is very team oriented. Even if you don't really have a business team, your team is your family if you've got one. Right. And you're either moving as one or it's not really moving at all because 
if you don't have a supportive family or you don't have a family that's at least willing to not drag you back if they're not being openly supportive, it's you're at net zero. You're not progressing. You're not regressing. You're just kind of treading water. Yeah, um, it, it's it's kind yeah. of analogous to again another lesson I learned in, in Taekwondo. It's even though mm-hmm. that's a an individual sport when you're actually on, on the mat uh, competing, you still have the, the people you train with. Uh, you have a coach. You have uh, you know even the the, the students. Uh, you can help you some when you're preparing for for a, a big tournament or something like that. And it's the same with business. Um, you know, even if you know, I was the main one at that convention center that day. But I still had you know, my daughter was with me. My my wife was down there. Um, I still have you know, even though they weren't really in the in the foreground in the spotlight like like I was trying to be. They were still my my support structure. And um, you, without them, I I wouldn't have been as effective as I was because you know that's uh, I, I drew energy from them and I I knew they were they were watching me. Like you said when. Uh, you you do you teach your kids better by doing rather than just preaching to them. So my hope is that you know when my my daughters get older and and they have you know some challenging times in their lives that they they will look back and see what I did in that situation and you draw some lessons from that and and be able to to move forward in, in you know similar way that that I did uh, because if I would have if I would have just tucked my tail and and you know, went and, and felt bad for myself back to the hotel room, but preached to them, you know, you got to move forward no matter what. What I say to them is not is not going to resonate at all. They're going to remember that I was mm-hmm. just laying in bed feeling sorry for myself, you know. So hopefully now, you know, they'll remember me going to the convention center and, and moving forward, even though, you know, they knew how, how bad of a situation it was. They knew how, how you know, it, it affected me. But, you know, the fact that I was still moved forward – you know, I, I really want that to, to stick in their minds and, and be able to pull from that when, when they need it. Do you think you would have done that if they had not been there? If you, if you didn't know that they were their, their eyes were on you, do you think you would have done that all the same? No, I still would have done what I, what I did just because that's just, you know, from the, the, my background, it's just, it's just who I am. I'm not really one to, to, to give up uh, at all. Uh, yeah, I, I I still would have done the same thing, um, maybe maybe a little bit differently if they if they weren't there. But um, yeah, I, it, it, I still would have done that for sure. Gotcha. So I want to ask you. So if if you if you have if you're somebody who doesn't have your background, you know, military, taekwondo, um, business, or anything else, and say like you're starting on a on a fitness journey, like you want to. You want to get better, which is what so many people at least claim that they want at the start of every year. And then, you know, as the by February, we know that the numbers drop off significantly. Um, how would someone we're talking a lot about just be the, the actual power of grit here, being able to start something and commit to it. Um, if they don't have these sports and athletic backgrounds that kind of teach you that stuff at a very early age. Do you think there's a way that they can kind of, I'll, I'll say hack for lack of a better word, they can kind of start to um, teach those uh, skills to themselves here that they can actually um, benefit from whatever it is they're starting? 
certain percentage of people that just have more of a propensity to have that naturally. Some people are just more focused and, and driven and, and clear about their goals than, than other people and doesn't necessarily have to come from an athletics or a competition background. But somebody that doesn't have that, um, if you say, if you're calling a, a hack of how to, how to get that, I would say just like working out, a, a hack would be to hire a coach or find a mentor. You know, if uh, you, that's, that's one thing I did too. I, I started buying uh, rental properties uh, and I didn't know what I was doing. The, the first rental property I bought, I, I had no idea what, what I was doing. I didn't have anybody around me that, that could help me. But after that, I, I started going to some real estate investor meetings, uh, some local meetings, just, just local real estate investors meet up at a restaurant and just talk. And so I started going to those and found a mentor that, that was willing to share information with me and, and help me. So that's a, that's a real good way to uh, kind of shorten the, the learning curve and, and you figure out what you need to be doing and, and how to, you know, that, that'll keep me motivated too. If you, if you have somebody around you or a group of people around you that uh, are, are doing what you want to be doing and, and they're motivated, they, you know, they help keep me motivated too, not only by watching what they're doing and, and trying to emulate them, but, you know, good mentors will hold you accountable. And if you talk to a mentor and say, yeah, I'm going to look at 20 properties next week and talk to them next week, and they'll ask you if you looked at 20 properties, you're going to want to be able to tell them, yeah, because it, you know, this person is, is taking the time to be able to help you. You're not going to want to let them down. So those types of things um, are, are good ways to, you know, if you don't have that natural propensity to, to stay motivated and you don't have the background, uh, some things that, that you can do to, to kind of help you. Do you think it's kind of worth more or more beneficial if you just if you just start at whatever it is you're doing rather than just kind of putting, you know, a huge amount of research and emphasis or research and analysis into something here? I mean, because you said you, you bought up a bunch of properties, rental properties. You didn't have a clue what you were doing. You just knew that you were buying these properties. And then you kind of you found yourself, I guess you found yourself saying, all right, now what? You know, I got this stuff now. Now what? And then from there, you kind of say, "Okay, I need someone to teach me what I, what it is I'm actually doing." Do you rec do you recommend people start really doing that and just kind of like learning to fly as you fall, or would you kind of take a more measured approach and just kind of you know, well, get a feel a, a good feel for what you're doing is first, and then you know, incrementally take it from there. My natural state is to just j jump into something knowing nothing and just start doing it. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's the right way. Probably a little bit more analysis ahead of time would be prudent um, compared to just jumping in. There, there's a there's a good balance. You know, I think especially something like a rental property, there's, there's good properties and bad properties. Uh, and you need to, the best thing is to, to know if it's a good property or a bad property, financially speaking, before you buy it. Uh, so, but you can also get caught in that what they call analysis paralysis, which is right. you know basically procrastinating, pr procrastinating by looking at the numbers and looking at them over and over and over, and you don't really you know, in the back of your mind you're you're you you're probably afraid to actually make that step, so you just stay in the analysis part, and you don't want to do that either. So, me personally, I lean more towards the just jumping into it and figuring it out and. Sometimes you realize, oh, I shouldn't have jumped into that because it was a dumb idea <laughs> and I didn't know because I just jumped into it. So, mm -hmm. uh, but the, yeah, that, that sweet spot of 
doing the, the due diligence, doing the analysis, and then jumping into it when the time's right um, is, is, is the best way. And, and that applies to everything, not just rental properties, but business, um, uh, athletics. Uh, you know, when I change a, a workout or something like that, it, you know, if I've hit a plateau, um, you know, me being the, the guy that just jumps into it, I'll, I'll go into the gym. It, you know, I might make up a, a workout on my, my app on my phone and I'll change it that morning and then I'll, I'll just go to the gym and start doing that. Some people will research different workouts for weeks or different rep ranges and, and you know, different, you know, different philosophies and, and it, it can take them forever to, to, to change, to jump into a new workout. But, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta hit that balance of the right amount of analysis, figuring out when you're done with the analysis and then going to it without, without any more delays. You also just have to be, start being good at learning what is not working and being honest with yourself that it's not working and then changing gears and being yeah. willing to change gears. Again, going back to the rule of uh, being adaptable. Yeah. And, and the, the more you do something, the more, the, the quicker you're able to realize when something's not working uh, because you, you, you start to learn how to analyze your numbers when you're in your business, you, you look at a profit and loss or, or, you know, different trends in, in your business and you're able to spot those things quicker the more you do it. When you first, when you first start, again, it's that white belt mentality. You, you don't even know if you're doing the wrong things because you don't know what to look for to see mm -hmm. if, if it is right or wrong. Uh, you just, you, you just keep going and you realize something's holding me down. Something's, something's causing pain here. I got to figure out what it is. And then you start diving into the metrics or, you know, if you're working out, you, you, you start looking at, at, at your form or, or, or something like that and seeing what you're doing wrong and, or asking somebody else to, to watch you, you know, uh, if you have a coach or even a, you know, a workout buddy say, Hey, can you watch my form here and see what I'm doing wrong? And, and they'll tell you, or in a business, you can, you can find a mentor and say, Hey, I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong here. What, what's, why am I bleeding money in, in this certain area? And they can look at it and, and help you. So yeah, all sorts of things you can do. So you're, all right, you're, you're a pretty accomplished guy here. The Atlas menswear is, I, I assume it's going well. It's going well, yeah. It's still not where um, I envision it to be, but um, I'm on the, I'm on the right trajectory. It's, it's again, it, it success is measured in, in years. You know, there's, there's no overnight mm -hmm. success in, in anything. So um, just with that, that mentality that I, I have in the gym of, of just a slow incremental change and just grinding it out day after day, not expecting to, you know, any one workout to to have you know, show a big mm -hmm. jump but it's just that that long steady steady increase so we we have a long list of successes here now if if we could just briefly because i want to give people a full picture here if we could just briefly what what are some things that you kind of you misstepped on some things that you know didn't that you that just kind of uh, misfire here. It can be applied to anything, Taekwondo, weightlifting, business. Yeah. Because, you know, people are, pe people being what they are, they, they run into those things. Obviously it's going to happen. It's part of life. And what we're trying to tell people here is that that can't define you. It's like, you're going to, you're going to fall on your face. You will, you will fail. I mean, I saw years ago, I saw a YouTube video of Denzel Washington giving a uh, commencement speech at a college. And it was, it was pretty awesome because he told literally these kids at graduation ceremonies, like you are going to fail at some point in your life. Embrace it. Yeah. It's going to happen. 
You know, I know it's, that's a weird thing to hear at a graduation ceremony because it's all pomp and flair. And, you know, it's like the world's in front of you. Here comes life. It's so exciting. And it is exciting. But, you know, you're going to take it in the face probably more than a few times out there. And you just need to know that because I no one told me that. And that's what I experienced. But I I I kept grinding. And here I am. And you're going to have to face the same. So I figure it better to tell you now and then you find out on your own. You are going to get knocked around out there. And so turn, take your failures in strides. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't have to get too much into it. Uh, but I do kind of I, I'm curious to hear, like, what are some things that kind of or what are some experiences you had that you said, Ugh, well, that was kind of a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just kind of uh, piggyback on what you were saying. Um, if, if you don't fail, if you don't experience failure, then you're not really trying to accomplish anything. You're staying in your comfort zone, which is where no learning or development takes place. So if, mm -hmm. if you have to expect to fail if you're trying to, to accomplish something big, if you're trying to, if you're trying to grow personally or physically, you know, you're, you're going to hit failure. So that's the failure is actually a good thing that lets you know that you're out of your comfort zone. You're trying something new. You're, you're advancing your knowledge. Uh, so, um, Fail, you know, I, I have a mentor that says fail faster. You know, I've heard a few people yeah. say it. Um, there, yeah. there's, there's a certain number of failures you're going to go through before you hit your goal. Um, we just don't know what that number is. But if I could tell you, you're going to fail 20 times before you hit this goal. And no matter what, this, this is the number of failures you're going you're gonna to do. Are you going to timidly go through all those failures? Or, or are you going to get you fail as fast as you can and, you know, get through those and, and get to your goal. You're going to, you're going to jump into them and, and run through them as, as fast as you can. Um, so yeah, failures, it's a, it's a necessary part of, of success. Um, some failures that, that I, I would say, um, well, with my rental properties, uh, after, after COVID hit, um, you know, they, uh, the government said you couldn't evict anybody for, for non-payment of rent. Um, I wasn't expecting that, and I, I I didn't have a a ton of rental property as I wasn't uh, uh, Donald Trump or anything, but um, <laughs> I, I and I was still managing all of them on my own at the time. I had sixteen units, and um, for whatever reason, a, a lot of my tenants decided not to not to pay because you know they knew I couldn't do anything about it at the time anyway. So um, I did end up uh, I I ended up selling some of my rental properties. I didn't you know, forcefully lose any of them. Because I was, I, I bought a lot of them off of local real estate investors, and it was just made, making payments directly to those people rather than to a bank. So I didn't want to. You know, I, I had to face these people face to face that I, that I was making payments to. Um, so I, you know, I said, you know, I'll sell them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't want a situation where I'm coming to you saying I need another month before I can make my mortgage payment to you because my tenants aren't paying. So um, that's something that that when you first look at it, I, I could say. That wasn't my fault. That was, you know, government came in and said, you can't evict anybody, you know, and I could just say, you know, it's just something that happened to me. But one of the, one of the things that I, I like to, to preach and something that I learned in Taekwondo is, is everything is, everything is your fault. Everything comes down to being your fault. Even if, even if it seems like it's not, it has to be because if, if it's not my fault, then there's nothing I can do to fix it. You know, when I when I'm helping somebody or, or talking to somebody, whether it be business or fitness, um, you know, people don't like to hear it, but I'm going to tell you, yeah, it's your fault. If you're if you're overweight, it's your fault. 
If your business is failing, it's your fault. But that's not me blaming or, or coming down hard on someone. That's me saying you have the power to fix it. I'm empowering you by saying what what caused this bad bad thing to happen is you. That means you can fix it. If it's somebody else's fault, you have to rely on that person, someone else to fix it. But you have to empower yourself by saying, by taking ownership of it and saying, this is my fault. I could have had a different management structure set up. I could have had a management company managing my rental properties. Um, there's there's a lot of things I could have done, even even for something that that I I, I didn't foresee coming um, with the, the COVID stuff. Uh, there's there's some things that I could have done to prepare myself for unexpected things, and um, I failed to do those things. I have that knowledge now. I I know what I what I failed to do, and so I I was able to learn from that failure. And that's that's one of the things that you really have to do is if you experience a failure, uh, you really you have to learn from it. There's always a lesson there. Um, if you don't learn from a failure, then then it's just a failure. You know, you you didn't gain anything from it. So you have to be able to learn from your failures, and that's what makes you a better person. That's what makes you more knowledgeable. That's what makes you stronger. That's what makes you more set up to to deal with failures in the future because you have that knowledge that you gained from from your past failures and successes, and uh, you're able to you put all those things together and, and keep moving forward. I think that's a brilliant way you spun that that interpretation of failure or interpretation of what many people can uh, perceive as blame. You know, like if something ain't going wrong, and this is what they they do teach and what they should be teaching in leadership roles, when you have people under you, under you, because this is what's going to happen anyway, when something goes wrong and it's on your watch, even if you weren't directly involved and you had no knowledge of it, well, you're in charge. So somebody's going to get blamed for it, and it's going to get you, and it's going to be you. Yeah. But um, you know, we're we're kind of going into the uh, Jocko win like extreme ownership area here. Yeah. Um, but I think that the way you the way you kind of uh turn the the definition of failure around as not being a blame game, but more of like this is this is within your power to alter and to turn around. So if you just say, "Well, it's not my fault. I I couldn't control X Y Z," then you are just forfeiting power over to something or someone else. But if you own it, you really own it and say, well, then I can, then I can, I can uh, make this, I can make this uh, good again. And I think that's probably the key, the key insight is right, right there is that you can, you can turn it around if you just claim it and you don't want to claim something that's negative and ugly that doesn't look good or doesn't feel good. But if you do, you know, it's yours to do with as you want. That's a that's a, a lesson in in teaching and leadership that I kind of learned uh, a difficult way because you know to to me, you know, I, I respond to to stuff like that. I respond to more of the the boot camp style uh, coaching and teaching, and, right. and I can take that and that that's that um, you know gets me moving. Um, I don't I don't do that hard to to everybody that that I'm um, teaching or even you know, people that are coming to me for advice. But I do uh, to me in my mind when when someone comes to me and says that it's overweight or out of shape and um, you know they're they're complaining about it, I'll tell them it's their fault. But not I don't mean to to offend people, but people get offended by that. And and when uh, the first you know a few times or whenever that that people would get get mad and say I can't, I can't believe you said that and I'm, I'm like what you know that that's I'm I'm empowering you that's it's it's your fault it, so we can fix this now you know it's not 
not your, your friend's fault, you know, you're not, not, you know, whoever, you know, whatever else's fault it is, it's your fault. So we can, we can work on it. That's a good thing. Right. Um, it took, it took me a little while to put myself in other people's shoes and realize how that sounds to them. So you sometimes, depending on who I'm dealing with, I, I do try to soften that up a little bit now from, from what I did before. Um, but I, I still, it's still a challenge for me because it, it just sounds so right in my head. <laughs> that I don't, I don't realize that it, it, it doesn't. And, uh, from other people. No, no, no. It, that, that is something you got to kind of learn too. You got to kind of, you have learning how to be tactful is a skill. Yeah. Um, you know, you do learn that how a message is delivered is every important, it is important as a message itself. And you're right. The way things play out in your head, a lot of times, once it escapes your mouth, doesn't really play out the same way. And, you know, sometimes within seconds of saying, he's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> or, um, or when you see the look on their face, you're like, right. what did I just say? Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound the same to them as it does to me. Right. Yeah. You just kind of notice how they just kind of shut down or switch off. If they don't get outright angry, you know, it's kind of like they, they kind of start clamming up. And yep. you can see that on their face, you know. That that again is another skill set that you have to kind of learn just by <laughs> by stumbling on your stumbling over your own feet. But uh, I do I do like that that recontextualization of failure because you're right. It, 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 no matter what you do, everything is a everything is a constant uh, progressive line that goes up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and, and embracing the fact that you're not going to get everything right all 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 the time. You know, even if it goes up and down, up and up and down, it's still going to chart up, down, up, down, up, right. down, up, down. It's going up. You know, if you look at any, um, uh, a lot of, or any like statistical chart, or any, a lot of statistical charts, I don't say any, but, you know, if you look at a line progression, that's what you're really looking at. You're not looking at a straight line. You're looking at up, down, up, down, up, down as it can increases continuously right. even even with the dips even with the ebbs and flows it's like the, you know, the so, stock market there it, 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 as many ups and downs and crashes perfect. we've had if you if you go back you know, 50 years and look at the 50 years it's still with with all the smaller ups and downs it's still an, a steady increase right right exactly even with all the depressions all the uh recessions you know the stock market has continued has continued to grow in value yeah continuously if you just look at the totality of things, but um, so, all right, so we we uh, we we've, we've been on here for a while here. All right, I've kind of lost um, time. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying this. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I always monitor time. I I have to because I have people that are busy and they gotta be other places and they have scheduled time for me. So I always, I'm always looking at the clock. It's not that I don't care. <laughs> I don't know if it's obvious or not. It's not that I don't care. I'm not that I'm not listening. It's just that I know I got to be respectful of a lot of people's time here. There's a lot of people got places to be and things to do. Sure. But, you know, we've been on here for a, a little over an hour and 20 minutes now. Wow. And yeah. Right. And we, uh, we have a closing tradition. As we start to wrap things up, we have a closing tradition on this podcast where the guest has the final word. So, you know, when you've been on this long, a lot gets talked about. And I think we've kind of done a pretty good job of constantly reiterating a central theme here, if there is one. I picked up on one. And, but I like to kind of narrow things down here for folks in a very succinct sort of way. So if there was nothing else that they remember from this interview that they were listening to, they could walk away with one thing in mind. 
It does, and it can be anything, one paragraph, one word. If you would like them to remember above all else, what would you say it would be? Figure out what you want to do and don't be afraid to jump into it and start doing it. Because that's, to me, personally, that's the best way to learn. Uh, the best way, I mean, if you, if you, if you start moving, um, you get inertia and not just physical inertia, but um, you have the mental inertia that you need to, to keep progressing towards your goals. And those, those, those successes and failures are going to happen. Uh, just keep moving forward and learning and uh, you'll eventually, you'll eventually get there. Physics 101, an object in motion stays in motion. Absolutely. Yep. That's why they, you know, in, in football, they say running back, even if you're, you run into a 300 pound lineman, keep those feet moving. That, that, that's all you do. You don't, you don't stop. Those feet got to keep moving. Yeah. I remember when I played football and I wasn't a running back, but when you see those big guys bearing down, your first reaction is probably, your first reaction is to, is fear. Run the other way. And, <laughs> Run the other way, yeah, because you know, oh, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> but yeah, just barreling, barreling through it, and I think that's a great, that's a good place to end it. Aaron Wolf, thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I had a had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time too. And everyone listening, of course, you know, I'll put Aaron's uh, contact information, his social media, in the show notes. Um, I'll put the uh, the company website on there. It's Really cool stuff here. It's very uh, specifically made products. They are very open about the fact that they don't cater to the average person, the average man in the public. Um, and that's fine because there's, as we know, there's plenty of people out there who do. <laughs> we, but we like to if say you are, if, if you're not uh, far enough along in your fitness journey to fit in an Atlas menswear shirt, we will stand behind you and cheer you on until you get get there and be able to wear our shirts like like the other elite men are, are already doing. Right. right. And I, I actually, I know as you mentioned that, I did remember reading that, too, and I thought that was really cool, too. So instead of making this sound like some sort of exclusive club that you're not going to get into because you ain't good enough, <laughs> you, make it, you, you make it very inclusive sounding. And I think that that that's great that's important because people don't need to feel excluded right they need to they need to feel supported yeah we, and i, I, want, make, I want every man out there to be able to wear our stuff we're just not going to lower the bar to, right. to get more customers we want to help our customers raise their bar to be able to to fit into our stuff that's what that's what we stand for exactly right and that's such an awesome thing and Again, the website will be up on there. Um, if you have a need for it or you're going to have a future need for it, take a look around. It's pretty neat stuff there. And um, Aaron, once again, want to thank you for your time here. I know we've run a little bit longer than we said we would, but it's been a great conversation. And it's always is a great conversation when it goes this long because I never anticipated going nearly 90 minutes. <laughs> but it's, it's always a good conversation. I enjoy talking to you. And to those of you at home, again, this is Aaron Wolf, martial artist, teacher, weightlifter, husband and father, and owner of the Atlas Menswear. My name is Sean. This is the Fitness Reborn Podcast. I'll see you all on the other side. Until then, move forever. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. 
Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace. Peace.